Welcome to Badgedamia, a podcast so educational two professors could be hosting it. Hi, I'm Dr. Danielle Dickenview, and joining me is Dr. Bill Pennyman. Welcome to Badgedamia, everybody, and it is the final episode of the season. How are you doing, D3? Oh, you know, it's Christmas Eve Eve. We're baking cookies today. You're making cookies? Well, actually just like store-bought sugar cookies, but we're going to decorate them. All right. So Danielle brought us chocolate chip mint cookies and they were gone, I think, in one day. Andy's mint. Oh, man, they were good. Good cookie. Yeah. Yeah. We delivered cookies. We Ryan was like, I always thought that Christmas caroling was like the most wholesome thing that families could do together. And he was like, we were driving around and dropping off cookies yesterday. And he was like, actually, I think this is pretty wholesome too. Yeah, I would much rather someone give me cookies and leave than like sing me a song. Oh my gosh, I so want to just show up at your house and sing now. Oh. But like not even Christmas carols. I just like, I don't know. We turn the hose on you, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, question of the week: What is your guilty indulgence during break? So it doesn't even have to be Christmas or you know holiday break. It can be you know during summer or like what's the thing that you're kind of like? Oh man, I feel horrible that I do this, but I do it anyways, and I love it while I do it. What if I said there's not many things I feel horrible about? Like, I'm just, you know, I feel well, like, it doesn't have to be horrible, uh, but you're kind of like somebody else would be like, really? You do that? Um, I mean, my big thing. What, what do shame does somebody have when they have no shame? Danielle lives a brilliant <laughs> life where she just everything she does, she's cool with. I is not Catholic. I don't have a ton of shame around things, I guess. Um, but I will, I mean, I do read a whole lot. Mm. Um, I can tell even last week I wanted to start, you know, like reading even more. Mm-hmm. And I think I've almost read like three books in the last like week, but like, that's not very shameful. I don't think, I mean, if you yeah. knew the books I read, maybe, um, but, <laughs> um, I don't, um, I like to eat a lot. Well, I understand the assignment. So let me go. Uh, okay, maybe I, I made it up. I usually get like one day where I get really obsessed with one of the really like trashy shows on Bravo or HBO. And I'll watch like 10 episodes of the Shaws of Sunset or like Vanderpump Rule. And it'll be just like one day. And I just like, and all of a sudden I'm like, I put in nine hours into this show. Um See, and I'll do the same with reading and like, I won't shower, you know, like barely get up to eat. You're like, no, it doesn't count. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I did have a question for you though. Oh, okay. Uh, I was like thinking about weird holiday foods mm-hmm. and I, I would like to quiz you on whether or not you like them. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like it's apparently um, my question didn't hit home with you. <laughs> well, I just don't, I guess like I'm pretty boring. Yeah. I like need to like take up something more wild though. Yeah. 
I mean, even yours is like, whatever, like yeah. some people do that every weekend. Yeah. You hmm. know, so it's not too strange. Yeah. I guess I'm not like, I, I go out and buy illicit drugs and just really hammer it for a day and <laughs> back on the train. All right, let's do it. I want to be quizzed on foods. I love food. All right. Peanut brittle. Do you like peanut brittle? Nah, that's a no. No, I think nope. it's delightful, but I'm quite sure it's going to take my teeth out every time I eat. Yeah. It. I'm worried about the teeth thing. What about the peanut chocolate cluster things? Oh yeah. I like those. I thought that those would be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I like peanuts. I like chocolate. If it's dark, I'm going to buy you some peanut M&Ms. And then I'm like, everybody's got to be buying bill peanut M&Ms though. I haven't, I haven't gotten any actually. Oh my so, God. That's good though, because I'm trying to, after the knee surgery, I'm, I'm trying to slim back down. So how do you feel about peppermint? things like candy canes. I don't like candy. I like those little like star mints. Like uh-huh. if you're ever at a restaurant with me and they have them in a dish, I'm shameful in how many I'll grab and stick in my pocket, but I don't like chocolate and peppermint together. Oh yeah. And I don't really like candy canes. So see, I really like chocolate and peppermint together, hmm. like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Oh. And stuff. But I don't. But like mint, her- mint and peppermint are different, right? They're different right. flavors to me. They are. I like peppermint schnapps. Speaking of other indulgences, <laughs> I need to take care of. Um. Yeah. So then, what are um? What are some other good holiday weird foods? Um. What are the fruit cake thingies? Is that what it's just called? Fruit cake. Fruit cake. Fruit yeah. Cake. I've never been a big fan of them, but. Yeah. One time we, my mom used to do this awesome thing for the grandkids, uh, which was called Christmas around the world. And she would do like either like a religious celebration around like what might be Christmas for that, or like how that country celebrates Christmas. And since I'm childless, um, I was always like the one who got tapped to make the weird food from that country, not weird, but the different food. And so one time we did something that was like a fruit cake and then you hid. So it was kind of like the king cake, um, but it was like from a different country. I think it was one of the Middle Eastern countries. And uh, I just, it was a cake that you um, basically steamed so you stuck it in the oven and you put like a bowl under it and turn the oven hot enough that the steam would then cook the cake oh man i i f that thing up bad it was like half cooked half not the little thing i stuck in there melted a little bit it was bad <laughs> but i like so everyone this, has like toxic plastic for the holiday to pull this whole story together because i am not a quitter i sat there and ate like half of the cake just because it's like Damn it. I made it like the three wise men finding baby Jesus. (laughs) One of the weird things that we eat is we always have pickles wrapped in cream cheese and like dried beef. Oh, my parents. See, that is a graduation food for me. Like I associate that one with graduation. So it is our appetizer before Christmas. And then my parents this year, I don't know why, but they like, we're having an Italian Christmas. But like okay. we're eating like pasta on Christmas day this year. I dig it. 
Don't it's fine. I mean, have no respect for traditions, mom and dad. No problem. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm just like. <laughs> Don't some people do like the feast of the seven fishes or something like that? Sure. I think there's I something like a Christmas where people do that Christmas Eve. Yeah. Huh. Seems like Ryan's a lot of work. family has Lesha and potatoes. Oh, they're one of those families. Yeah, I think I told this story before, but like a girl I dated in high school, I would go to her families and they would always be like, oh, you should eat this, you know, all the weird Norwegian foods. And then they'd all complain about how bad they tasted. And I was like, this seems like a lot of like work to eat really bad food. And then be like, can you believe how bad fish soaked in lye tastes? And I was always a little bit. Yeah, of course, it's going to taste bad. It's lie. <laughs> yeah, holiday foods are weird. I'm here for it, though. Bring on the eating. Oh, yeah, I'll try anything as long as it's not pizza ranch or macaroni and cheese. Woo. There you go. All I right. I don't like pizza ranch. I hate pizza ranch. Don't <laughs> get me started. All right. Before I go into a pizza ranch rage, let's get going. Um, all right. So the episode starts with Brandon meeting Michelle's parents. Spoiler alert. Everyone loves Brandon. Michelle's mom basically says he's perfect. what did you think of their conversation? Anything stick out? I just think that they really thought it was going to be him. And um, I do feel like he was pretty good with the parents. Right. He was, he had answers that they really wanted to hear. I will say, and this is something that I kind of keep thinking about when I am, as I've been processing this episode is that he's so self-sacrificing in some ways to Michelle. And, um, while there's some like really lovely things about that, you sort of do go, well, where's Brandon in this, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, in some ways, like while he seemed to be like, yeah, like I'll move here and it's about her and her ambitions, you know, I do sort of wonder, I was like, well, I want to get to know Brandon a little bit. Like, what are your ambitions and how do you see those sort of like fitting in with Michelle's? Um, So that was something that I was thinking about. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of research around that, that people, relationships that work well are where both people kind of have their things and they both are willing to sacrifice for the other partner. Um, but they also have their identities, not where one constantly sacrifices. Usually that ends up in one person feeling like they're underbenefited and becoming, you know, jaded after a while. Um, oftentimes it's much more if it's in a heterosexual couple, women tend to give up a lot more stuff you know, by and large. And so there was a part of me that's like, well, there we go. Maybe once a man should have to like give up their career and stuff for a woman and, and move for them. But um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Although as far as meeting in-laws go, I felt like that's exactly how you'd hope meeting your future in-laws would go, right? Like they Absolutely. love you. You're Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's so like earnest too, you know, it's not like he's this guy that you feel like he's almost too good to be true. He's putting on a show. You get done. You're like, he's just a solid guy. He really is. Yeah. Well, and I think I will say I felt like as early as these scenes with her family, I started to realize that I was like, 
I had a suspicion that Brandon wasn't going to be the choice, but I think that you could start to see it sort of pain Michelle. Yeah. You know, that you could already see that she kind of knew that this isn't who she was going to choose. And that like, she was like kind of trying to make it work. It almost felt that way to me. Well, that's an interesting conversation because we, so Danielle was at our house for the finale with our other group of friends. And so I'm actually, I'm going to call an audible here and skip ahead to Brandon's date part. Right. So they go jet skiing and then, um, Brandon continues the trend of seeming really young, uh, gives her his favorite hoodie, um, which seemed like a very junior high move. I don't think that was a real hoodie because there were like actually no stains on it or anything. <laughs> um, I wondered if he asked for the hoodie back after they broke up. Um, so then Michelle tells, but then Michelle says she loves Brandon or she's in love with him. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because I felt like on the date with her parents, you could tell that she was like, oh man, you know, this guy's really in, I'm not into him. But then she said that. And so I don't know. Yeah. That's why I almost sort of felt like she like wanted to get there with him. And I wondered if that was like her trying to manifest it, you know, in certain ways, you know, that like, or that maybe you just get swept up in the moment, you know? Um, That's a good point. There's a lot of research around that where it like people misattribute feelings for situations So you go on this awesome date with somebody, you know, you go to a really great concert and you have a great time. You're like, wow, I'm really into this person. Then you spend some more time with them and it's like, yeah, not that great. And you can see how they get swept up. You're going jet skiing. You have this awesome food. He's saying all these nice things and you're like, I really see myself with them. And then you wake up the next morning and you're like, maybe not. I think that that's an interesting, I'm like sort of thinking about that as it applies even beyond like relationships, right? Mm -hmm. That like you confuse like feelings for situations, right? Like you're like, oh, I really like, what's an example? Yeah. I'm like trying to think of one, but I'm pretty sure I run into this with myself sometimes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just like the idea that you're like, oh, well, like maybe I really like this thing. But maybe you just like the idea of this thing, not like the actual, like, you know, like. I want a concrete example. Danielle, I want a concrete example from you. Well, here's, I mean, like, here's a concrete example. Yes. I love the idea of writing books. The actual practice of writing books kind of sucks. Right. But like, or, you know, like you might like, um, or the idea of like hosting a really big party. Mm. Oh yeah. We're going to have all these people over. Like, and then it's like, it's just like pure labor, right? You know, so maybe that's almost the exact opposite of what you're talking about. Well, no, Um, but I agree because then when you have the party, you usually have a lot of fun, right? Like you enjoy it and (laughs) while it's going on, but you forget about how you were loathing the preparation and the stress of the party. It's oh like no, a... sometimes the party itself is exhausting. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm like definitely like a few friends kind of a person, okay. like huge parties, but like so um although like a lot of times afterwards I'll be like, oh well, that was like wonderful, mm-hmm. right? I'll be like, that was wonderful. And then so then I'll be like, oh well, that was really wonderful. I should do it again. <laughs> and then I was like, then like you like forget about it is wonderful, but it's like, I don't know. 
it's wonderful and painful all at the same time. I feel that way about buffets. Like I get excited about them, and then while I'm ha- I'm I'm into it, and then I feel sick for like the next day. Like, why do you well, do this? Buffets to are a thing, you know. Like Ryan and I had to like put like the Knicks on like. We like the idea of a buffet, right? We're like, oh, we're so hungry. Like you're like starving and you're like, mm-hmm. you know what I need is a buffet. But like other than a few exceptions, buffets are kind of awful. Oh, yeah. Right. Especially we won't let ourselves do any more like sushi buffets. Yeah. Like that's just a strong no. The food is like possibly like spoiled a little bit. It's lukewarm. There's people sneezing on it. But yeah. Mediocre. Yep. Right. And so like, you're always really excited because you just want to go to town eating and then you're like, oh, well, this is like, I could have made something just as good at home. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I have no idea where we are on the show right now. <laughs> we've, yeah. Gone, yeah. we've gone so far afoul. Uh, yeah. yeah. So kind of the idea of Michelle saying that she loves him, but in the end, you, you know, she, she says she was in love with him. So I guess, can you love more than one person? Is that okay? Is it possible? Well, you know, we were talking about soulmates last week and mm-hmm. I think the general consistent, uh, what what is the word I'm looking for? Consensus, right? The general consensus of our conversation is that like, you know, the concept of soulmates is like a problematic love myth, right? right. And I think that- well, you went full academic on that word, a problematic love myth. I love it. <laughs> I like that phrase. Well, well so um, this is Bachadamia. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're getting slapped right in the face with academics, folks. You bet. So, I mean, I think that I actually like in the After the Rose when Michelle talks about how taboo it really is to admit that you've fallen in love with a person. And I think that that's because it violates this idea that we should have like our monogamous sort of like love soulmate narrative, right? It disrupts Mm -hmm. that, that like, if you really find the one, right, they're the one. So there shouldn't be another one. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it's totally possible to, um, fall in love with more than one person at one time. But I guess I'm also a believer in you. You really should think about other people's feelings. It's just because you're falling in love with someone doesn't mean you have to tell them until you sort out your feelings. And I feel like sometimes people feel like I need to say exactly what's on my mind. And I guess I'm just a believer that sometimes you can wait, like you can always tell people how you feel at another point unless they die. And then that's very tragic, but you know, I don't think that was an issue because they're all in this like bubble right now. Like, yeah. I mean, I think Michelle has gotten sort of called out by quite a few people. They're like, you know, why did you, why did you tell him? Mm -hmm. And and I kind of have that question too, because, um, I do sort of feel like she knew. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we as viewers knew. Yeah. And, you know, um, Brandon said this in the After the Rose, too, that he's like, you know, I knew because I your eyes are so expressive. Mm. And I think that there are little ways that you can kind of tell, maybe mm-hmm. even starting in the last episode, um, 
that you're kind of getting signs that like she really does care about Brandon, but she started she started to figure out that it's Nate. Right. I agree. All right, so we're gonna hop back to Nate now. Um, yeah. Nate meets with the parents. Doesn't seem to go real well. Um, no. So uh, he sort of says he doesn't take love seriously, but then says it's a mistake and walks it back. Could you figure out what he was trying to say? I went back and watched it. and I couldn't figure out. He said, oh, that was a mix up, but I couldn't figure out what he was going for in the original statement. Yeah, um, I think that it was just a slip of words that felt a bit like a Freudian slip, right? You know, like that he... He was trying to say that he does take love seriously okay. and actually says that he doesn't. And um because those words uh, are real close, like the meaning of those two words. Well, and it's I think, opposite day. You know, it was it's tough because one of the things that I was thinking about is while Michelle has sort of been in this bachelor bubble for the past however many weeks, her parents really haven't. Mm -hmm. And that while she's probably developed some skill in being able to one day have a date with one person and the mm -hmm. next day switch to another person, her family hasn't had to do that. And I can't imagine how difficult it would be, especially because there is this weird, because Brandon's met them. Yep. which is something that we haven't seen in other episodes. And so I do think that, you know, one, his family is having to sort of like do that quick switcheroo. <laughs> um, and I don't think, and they haven't done it before. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think, and this is something I've been trying to process a lot because I do think that Nate isn't as good at expressing his emotions verbally. And I think what I've been thinking about is how fair is it for us to sort of expect him to express it in that way? You know, I guess I've been processing and thinking, well, like, is it, so we talk about the love mm -hmm. languages a lot on mm -hmm. here, right? And what, you know, when he had that moment with his family, we're all like, yay, like he told his dad that he loved them. And like, that's really, and like, that is a really powerful and meaningful mm -hmm. moment. And I think being able to communicate verbally your emotions is a really important skill. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you know, I know that my, I already knew that my dad and I loved each other. Like I didn't, you know, like it's nice that we have that verbal confirmation, but I didn't need that. And I think Michelle's sort of been like, oh no, like he expressed that he loved me mm -hmm. in other ways. And I like wonder if as viewers that like that verbal sort of confirmation is like something that we need because like some of those other things are probably harder to like see as you watch. I don't know. And I've just been like sort of thinking about is that the only healthy way to communicate emotion? Right. Right. I don't know. So, you know, and I think I yes. have this bias towards it. <laughs> so I had, there is some research there's a really good book. If people out there are, are looking for a book kind of on emotions and um, there's a book, you know, the emotional intelligence book, which is somewhat research based, but it gets into some, uh, hypothetical stuff, but they're a really good book. If you're interested is, uh, called how emotions are made. Um, and it's all about the idea around, 
um, having the language to label emotions and how much happier and more well-adjusted people are when they have the vocabulary to identify emotions. And one of the examples is uh, in Germany, uh, they have a much more kind of robust language around emotions. And so they have different words for different types of anger, right? So you can be angry at your partner because they lied to you. And you can be angry at your partner because they um, left the dishes out, right? Mm-hmm. Two totally different types of anger, right? You know, if your partner breaches that trust, that's a whole different type of anger with them than if they just kind of mindlessly forget to do the dishes. Um, and so what this person that wrote the book and I'm blanking on their name kind of puts forward is people who have that ability can then kind of better navigate. Why am I mad? How do I address that emotion? Um, and so in that way, I think it's important for people to have that ability and people to be able to communicate those emotions and words. Um, but I also agree with you, you know, if, you know, if you are in a relationship and the way you're communicating emotions works, then it works. And it's not really for any of us to be like, you need to be able to talk it out. Um, Watching Brandon and watching Michelle, I feel like that's probably going to come to a head because she seems like she has a really good grasp of where she is emotionally and she can communicate. And I just don't know if he has it. And I don't know if he probably even more importantly, is interested in having it, you know, I mean, I think that's probably the bigger thing, right? People can learn emotions. It's like anything else. It's not like a, it's not a talent. It's a skill, right? The more you communicate, the better you get. You just have to want to communicate. And I think that's probably where the question really lies, right? Is he going to be able to, is he going to be willing to do that? Because like he said, he said about his dad, like, well, we already knew that we loved each other. I don't know why this is such a big deal. Like, (laughs) okay, but. Well, it did seem like it was a big deal. Right, exactly. Um, I was going to say, like, um, I haven't read, I've only read like the first chapter or something. um, But I do think that Brene Brown's new Atlas of the Heart Mm. is really actually trying to teach emotional recognition and then how do you sort of express that too? Um, I'm going to wait till it comes out as a movie. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'm waiting till it comes out on audiobook. I think it does in February. Yeah. I, I to her read it as well. I've got it in my audible ready to go queued up. I like to listen to it while I run or while yeah. I lift, because then when I'm at the gym and some guys like, what do you listen to? Death metal slayer. It's like Brene Brown. We're talking yeah, about this is the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I was just sort of thinking, though, like, you know, I was just like thinking, do I have this bias towards like words of affirmation? And, you know, am I sort of expecting, you know, while I do think it's been really powerful to see some um, examples of men on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette expressing their feelings in really clear and powerful ways, I also was just like thinking about, you know, do we, have we sort of, do we sort of have a bias towards expressing emotions in particular ways? And are we perhaps like devaluing or delegitimating other forms of expression that might, you know, be just as powerful for people? And so I've just sort of been thinking about that a little bit. 
Um, but that it was awkward. He wasn't great at it. It was, it was a terrible parent meeting. Yeah. Lisa Feldman Barrett. Okay. Is the person who wrote, book. I'll put it on my list. All emotions are made. It's there's an audio book of it too. Again, okay. I listened to that in twilight as well while yeah. I was lifting doing deadlifts and someone's like, good job, bro. And I was like, yeah, team Jacob. I, I have a like listening. So I think that listening to romance books is really awkward. You know, like there's like something about like, it feels like to hear someone say some of the lines out loud is like even more awkward than just yeah. reading them. Yes. <laughs> All right. So then uh, Nate uh, goes on his final date. There's a shaman. Um, Nate doesn't really open up during the night. They, he finally says he loves Michelle and that seems like enough thoughts. I mean, I felt like this is when you just knew for sure that she was going to choose him because it sort of was like, he does just a little of what she wants. And she's like, that's what I needed. And so you're like, okay, either I'm just really not seeing things like they're yeah. editing some things out or like, you know, in the fact that her parents express concerns and you could his tell parents, that, Yeah. His yeah. parents express concerns. Yeah. 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 I don't, I, I worry that Nate feels like, uh, love is something that you say and not something you, you demonstrate, or I just, I would worry that there's going to, this is going to be a constant thing with him and Michelle, like her wanting him to open up. And that's how she's going to kind of identify that he loves her and him being like, well, I said it. And she's like, but I want to talk more about it. What did you think about, you know, and I realized that we're kind of time hopping here in our conversation. It's fine. But like we're, it's after, we're all over the place today. It's yeah. In the, after the rose though, you know, she was like, oh, well, he actually is more expressive of his emotions than I am. And I was like, is this like true? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and then I was like, well, is he like more private, you know, because about, you know, cause like, I know his mom was like, oh, I, I saw this text that he sent her, you know, but I'm not going to share that with the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, or is this like kind of image repair? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess the question is how does he, he demonstrate his emotions, right? Like she says, he's more demonstrative to me than me, but that doesn't mean that it's like him sitting there saying it. It's like, does he moving to Minneapolis? Yeah. Well, so let's, let's, let's get to the proposals and then we can okay. come to, come to that. Uh, so the proposals happen. Uh, Brandon sends another sweet note. I think that trick is tapped out. Um, I think it worked last episode and not then. Um, Brandon uh, basically gets turned down. He has to reascend all of those stairs of Mount Olympus in the drive of shame. Uh, Nate proposes uh, and he gets to drive into the sunset. He has on like 16 earrings four nose rings, four bracelets. Um, any thoughts on how that went down? I felt like it was a pretty vanilla. Well, I mean, I think that the breakup between Michelle and Brandon was heart wrenching, right? Like you, you kind of knew it was coming, but like, and he just felt so confident. 
Yeah. When you're like, oh, buddy, like we're not as confident for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, yeah, I think it was like a really sad um, moment. Um, and then it's also hard when like Nate's proposal was actually better than I expected. Um, but it is hard when you're like, oh my gosh, like Brandon's breakup speech was like, felt more heartfelt than Nate's right. proposal. Yeah. And I do think that he threw, Brandon did throw Neil Lane's ring. I think we had like kind of a debate. We were like, did he, he throw threw something ring? or did he throw a rock? Like we were like, <laughs> what did he throw? And I think it was, I think it was the ring. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I feel like they probably found it though. Right. Probably. There are like interns out there. like. So one time, uh, brief side. Uh, so we go to South Carolina every other year with Elaine's family and some friends. And we were walking down because you can see sea turtles being born. And we walk down and there's this wedding ceremony kind of happening on the beach. We walk down, we see the sea turtles, we walk back and everyone in the family is wandering around on the beach, looking down, kicking sand around. And like this poor kid is crying. I think he was the ring bearer and at some point dropped the ring in the sand. <laughs> and we were like, oh no. And you can see one of the people, like an uncle or something had like the a metal detector they must've went and got. And yeah, so. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I felt like it was kind of in the end, kind of how everything how well, we thought it was all yeah you know it was pretty predictable um it was predictable and they kept setting it up like it was going to be like something which i realized that's what they do but it just seemed like almost to a point where it's like come on guys we're pros at this now absolutely yeah <laughs> so then after the final rose uh first thing twitter apparently bullied the producers into making everyone put a mask on so they started out no one had a mask and then they came back and everyone had a mask on. And Caitlin was like, just so you know, we've masked everybody. <laughs> so where are we living? What is this alternate universe? Well, and here's the thing. I get like why Twitter was kind of asking about masks. You know, you mm -hmm. have Keisha who doesn't even show up because she was exposed to COVID. So it's like, okay. Um it is sort of weird though. It's like if you tested the entire audience and everybody tested negative, right? You're like, well, why wouldn't you just also test Tasha? And if she's negative, I don't know. Right. Unless and she wasn't a little performative. They're like, how long have they been sitting next to each other? That's what I was thinking. I like I'm all for masks. If you know, I think they work. However, if you're sitting in a room and you know that wasn't like they just filed in and they started, they had been in that room with no masks for probably an hour and a half. So it's like, at this point, are you really, you know, they're, they're doing it for the optics, which whatever, you know, but it just seemed very odd to me. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, shut up America. We did it. Okay. Can we just... Well, then I think everybody was like, okay, you listened about the masks. Yeah. You now listen to how we feel about Clayton. Beeman That's why you don't negotiate with terrorists, right? Because once you like start negotiating, they keep asking for more. And what is Twitter if it's not a terrorist organization? Loosely, like, linked together terrorist organization. Um, 
Yeah. So Brandon sits down, uh, basically uh, says what they would expect. He was heartbroken. Um, he did say the most interesting thing I thought came out of this, and, and you can add something, but he said he felt like his openness was not appreciated in retrospect after watching how hard she worked to get Nate to open up. And he didn't say it, but also Joe, right? The whole, basically Joe and Nate, her whole goal was to get him to say anything of substance about their feelings where Brandon was like gung ho about it. Um, it's a fair well, assessment. I think that he, yeah. And I mean, I think he was sort of like, Hey, look at this was really hard for me too. Mm-hmm. And maybe it didn't look like it because I was always doing that, mm-hmm. but like, that wasn't his, like, I think he was trying to say like, this wasn't my natural state of being either. Um, right. I had to work um, and be vulnerable you know, to express myself that way too. But I feel like I didn't get credit for it. You know, I thought one of the most interesting things that he said was, um, he kind of talked about how much he still loves her. And then he was like, very clear. He's like, but my love has to be a different type of love. Otherwise it'd be inappropriate because she's with Nate now. And I thought that that was, um, I just thought that that was like an interesting um, and smart sort of clarification. Sounds kind of like a knight and their love for their queen, where it's like, I love her and I'll protect her forever, but no hanky panky. No hanky panky. Well, and I will say, like, I felt like he was holding it together more than I expected him to. And, yeah. Um, I just keep thinking about what's next with Brandon for the Bachelorette franchise because on one hand like I don't know that he really has Bachelor vibes to me right Mm -hmm. um he's like too pure or like I don't know my I don't know where like he also just doesn't seem like a Bachelor in Paradise contestant to me yeah I don't know he just seems so young like I just I feel like he'll bounce back you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I don't know if he really understands yet what it means to like get your heart broken and then work through it. And maybe this is the first time he's really had his heart broken. And so the world will have so many more opportunities to beat you down, Brandon. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, So the Nate comes out. I don't, I got really weird vibes from them and maybe I'm off and it's just me like wanting to like paint my own narrative, but I just felt like, like they were being very performative in like how much they liked each other. And I don't know. I just, I think that they are a hot couple like that. They are two good looking people together. Oh yeah. I felt, I couldn't tell how much of it was things are rocky in paradise maybe. And we're trying to like cover it. I almost got the impression that it was like, they understand the way that they're kind of being viewed and that like mm-hmm. Nate ha- like everybody's like you chose the wrong person and mm-hmm. I felt like it was more like a defense it was mm-hmm. like a look at no like actually we are right for each other um and look at how well we're doing like you know like they're trying a little too hard to make a case I got kind of the Kate and Blake vibe from um oh where it was like they they're attracted to each other but i feel like there's a lot more 
that needs to happen and they're having a hard time navigating that. Like they feel like they should really be into each other, but, but that's from my like 15 minutes of my armchair analysis. I, one thing that I actually really appreciated about their conversation was that they talked about how difficult it is for the person who wins, right? Like, so for Nate, Mm-hmm. go back and watch her fall in love and have these relationships with other people and the stress that that caught co- like has oh, on yeah. the relationship and I sort of feel like you always like watch these things and you're like that has to be so hard like how do you navigate that as a couple and I feel like they're really the first that I felt address that kind of head on mm-hmm. and like acknowledge that like that's hard mm-hmm. and So I kind of felt like there was like an honesty about negotiation, negotiating in the relationship afterwards. Like, I think I saw like a video of Michelle going like, I didn't know it was like maybe from people magazine Mm -hmm. or something like that. She's like, I didn't know what his favorite food was. I didn't know what his favorite color is. And I like realized all of a sudden I didn't know those things and I'm engaged and like, did I not do my job right? That I don't know these, like some basic things about mm-hmm. a person. And um, so, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much of it is like something's off and how much of it is they're just being more transparent about mm-hmm. sort of the relational work that happens after the proposal. I think they should let the couple watch the season long before it actually comes out. You know, like I, my assumption is they watch it in real time, like we do, you know, but I think you'd be better off letting them watch, like once it's totally done being produced and then letting them go to therapy to like, you know, talk through all that. Cause I, I wouldn't do well if I was Nate and I had went through that. And then I saw all the stuff, like, I mean, I, I would have to talk through a lot of things and a lot of thoughts she had and absolutely like into you know I also think that it would be hard if you're Nate and you listen to Michelle tell Brandon that she loves him Mm -hmm. and then like Brandon like responds perfectly Mm -hmm. right like you know like how do you like hate Brandon yeah you know know, he just he doesn't give you anything yeah you know um and so I think that that would be I think that would be really challenging and yeah, he's oh. kind of like why they say uh, Biden won the election. It's like there's just nothing to like, you know, it's like he doesn't have anything interesting. He just kind of like, what's there to dislike? What's there to like? He's well, I think, yeah, I think that there's let's go, Brandon. Go, Brandon. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I think we also, as you watch the entire time, you kind of put the pressure on the contestants to really prove themselves to the mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. And I do think that like after, after the rose, if you will, right. Right. It kind of probably switches a little bit. Yeah. And that's probably on also a really unique power dynamic switch in a relationship that has to be a little weird. I agree. Uh, so then Nate's asked if he'll relocate and he says, for sure, bet. No, I made that up. He did, but he did say, yeah. And then they were like, when, and he was like, you know, sometime. 
And then um, I felt like the producers called his bluff and gave them, I think it was $200,000 as a down payment for a house, which is really a whole house in some areas of America. Yeah. Like a a decent house. Um, Thoughts? I thought that was bold by the producers because what happens if they don't end up together? I was like trying to figure out what to do with that gesture. Like one, I was like, well, do they give gifts? Is there like some sort of like monetary prize to all of the people that have gone on? And like, this is just happening in this form and they're making it public or, you know, there's also like a part of me that was like, is this how they're like trying to say, look at, we do support black love. <laughs> like we gave them a down payment to a house. Is this like them trying to establish that Nate actually really is going to move? Like, look at now they have a down payment. Like he has. <laughs> I felt like it was a calling Nate's bluff. They were like, yeah, well now what are you going to do? <laughs> well, and also like, like funny. Cause like why they brought it out in a gingerbread house. And then it's like, take the like the the roof off like that was like so obvious like oh somebody hands you a gingerbread house you're supposed to take the roof off and look inside like <laughs> I, it was weird and you could tell that they really I felt like you could tell they didn't know like no. it wasn't like they're like hey we're gonna give you a gift and then I felt like they were both kind of like oh wow what yeah I don't know and their parents really like each other and I was, as I was watching that, I was like, what happens if they break up? Like, how does that go down with the parents? Are the parents going to be like, well, it's up to you. Are they going to be like, no, we really like, we don't so much like him, but we like your. Yeah, I don't, it will be. I foresee a mess. We should wait and see what happens. Yeah. We'll be good. All right. So then um, Clayton comes on. And it is weird. And they like publicly shame him. And Elaine, my wife, basically told the whole room, Danielle was gone by this point. But she was like, I just got to say it. He's my type. Which I know you all can't really see me. Clayton and I look exactly the same. We're built the same. Um, I'm just basically like 10 years older than Clayton. So I get what she's saying. Uh, That's not true at all. I am not Clayton. (laughs) Well, okay. So that's not what I thought you were going to say that Elaine said. (laughs) I, I agree that it was so awkward that I felt like this was like the bachelor franchise going, all right, people have been, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you're like, mom, this person like made fun of me for this. Mm-hmm. Or this person said something nasty and they're like, well, you just embrace it, girlfriend, you know, like, and so it's like the bachelor like franchise going, like everybody's complaining that we like chose Clayton. So we're going to like have Clayton read these nasty texts and it's going to be like, yeah, we know, but like we're leaning into this. Like, I don't know. It was like a weird and well, then, like, like you felt like he was legitimately uncomfortable reading the text. And then, I mean, like, he was he, smiley and very affable about it, but it couldn't have been fun. And so like, it's a, it's a skit taken from Jimmy Kimmel where he has celebrities or like players reading mean tweets for anyone who doesn't know, but they usually read one and it's usually a pretty funny tweet. 
And it's like these, like there was one or two that were funny, but then there were like a lot that were just mean and like, didn't, they weren't even like clever. It felt like a roast gone bad, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, and on top of that, like you expect, Hey, we just roasted you, but then you expect them to come back and like show him some love, Yeah. you know, or something to kind of like balance it out. And instead they're like, here's this preview and yeah. it's like everything just looks like a disaster and then yeah. Caitlin's like good luck buddy yeah, Wait, I, you'll be I, okay. <laughs> yeah I feel like they gave Caitlin an assignment that she was not up to the task or she didn't know exactly what she was supposed to do because she did not segue it well it was just like yeah so America hates you and here's your horrible season so let's go yeah And I, you know, so I think one, I do want to give Caitlin a little bit of a shout out though, because I thought that she as a whole, I can't imagine having to do live TV like Mm. that. And it really is a skill to be able to deliver all these lines that are kind of fed to you in the moment. And I think that she had, like, you can tell that she's getting better and better at it, you know? Um, And so um, but then I think what's hard is that I think that Caitlin's also this, I like swear that she's just like a legitimately good, empathetic human. And so I think there's these times where the, like the franchise is like feeding her these lines that are not at all what Caitlin would like yes. instinctually do. Yeah. And so it, it's, it was so uncomfortable. Um, I agree. I think she didn't know. I don't think she was comfortable with it. And I don't think they gave her time to make it hers, like the mean tweets, right? I think it was something that got thought up in the end and she just was trying to roll with it. And it just, yeah. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. So one of the things I wanted to make sure that we talk about is you had shared this article with me kind of about, you know, Clayton season and race and the bachelor. Oh yeah. It was in the LA times. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have been sort of like really trying to think about like, why Clayton? Because I think a lot of people are really struggling with this. And then I think that what's hard is the the previews in Mm -hmm. some ways even complicate that more. Because I felt like what, well, one thing that I've been sort of thinking about and I don't really have the answers and there's certainly probably research out there that I should look at. But as we've been talking about love myths and sort of like love narratives and expressing emotions and things like that, I keep thinking about how many of these love myths and expectations are sort of like also based on whiteness. And because like one of the things that is so meaningful, I think about this season is that we got to witness, you know, black love you know Mm -hmm. um and I felt like Clayton was this like attempt (laughs) to sort of reclaim viewership that left over Chris Harrison and the Bachelor franchise always sort of having this really 
of the love reality TV shows, like we're the pure ones, mm-hmm. right? Like we're wholesome. And here's this like wholesome dude that like kids love and he just really wants a wife. But then you see these previews where he's like, I'm a whore. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like, you know, and so I think that like, there's something where like, one, you think that it, they attempted to like have another like Sean Lowe or something, mm-hmm. right? And it just didn't quite pan out that way. So now they're like embracing the drama. (laughs) Then, you know, like I do think that it, I don't know, it's just an interesting, there's some interesting things I do think happening around race here and them trying to claim viewers that they lost because they decided to embrace more diversity in their casting and like what does it sort of mean too that the show didn't hold I mean I know like for example Michelle's premiere right I think it said in that article was like one of the least viewed yeah and I think like that also tells you something about fans um and who usually watch the show um and I, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. And um, I know it's something I'm going to kind of continually kind of keep processing. But I do think that the show trying to navigate different racial issues and sometimes incredibly poorly, not something like often incredibly poorly, but then like here you have, I also wonder what do people do? You hear you have an example of like, black love and four black finalists or like I guess people of color and I've been thinking about that a lot lately too is how much we rely on visual mm-hmm. to like cue us in on race and how like we get that wrong a lot um because race is much more complex um but yeah so I think that I I think I've just been thinking a lot about those sorts of things and what does it mean that they chose Clayton and nobody understands it and they keep trying to convince us that it's going to be a good season. And I don't think it's working. Well, it's going to be a good season, but not because I think it's like an episode of black mirror where they're like white people. You want your white love story. This is your white love story. And it's going to be like Clayton sleeping with women, crying, being mad at each other. And it's like fairy tales don't exist. That was what I was. Yeah. It's just like, I, I, there's a part of me that's like, maybe this is what white, evangelical America deserves right now is a train wreck. <laughs> like this is your, this is your love story in real life. This is what it actually is. It's a tragedy. Well, I'm interested to see if the rest of the cast is as diverse as it, it's, it has been. It didn't um, look like it from the previews. No, it didn't. It looked yeah. like you had a few token people of color. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that popular culture what what we tend to like to watch <laughs> um reflects reflects broader culture it reflects values um it can also be a place to challenge those things and so i think that um bring on clayton season i guess yeah we have a big announcement about next season we do yeah do you want to make it yeah co-host kim is going to be co-host Kim. She's going to be permanent host Kim, sort of. 
So next season, what we will do is we will rotate the hosts. So um, one week, it'll be Danielle and I. Then the next week, it'll be Danielle and Kim. And then the week after that, it'll be Kim and Bill. And then we'll just rotate around. Um, And then if one of us is sick or one of us can't be here, then the other one will jump in. So uh, we're excited because Kim has been amazing every time she's been on. And she's super funny and brings a a whole new... uh, whole new perspective so yeah we're excited kim's great so yay yeah any lessons learned from the season i who from the whole season yeah hmm i don't know i think my biggest lesson learned from our conversation today is i am sort of thinking about the feeling situation thing Mm mm-hmm so I want to keep, keep thinking about that. Um, when we confuse feelings with situations, mm. um, from the season, I just, I just keep thinking about how sometimes if you do everything that you feel like you're supposed to do, you still don't rise. <laughs> to the top. Meritocracy is dead folks. <laughs> 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 that's my lesson i i'm just because we've talked about it the whole time i just think boundaries are really important and so if we all did a good job of respecting other people's boundaries and setting up our own boundaries we would have a much smoother functioning world and i think technology has made boundaries so much different and so we just need to as a society start to reckon with what does it mean um, to have this technology and how do we set up those boundaries? So good one, Bill. I got very meta on that one. So I like All it. Right. Danielle, have a great break. Yes. Everybody have a great break from us. Uh, we happy will be holidays from Bat- happy <laughs> holidays. Yeah. From Batchadamia. We will be back. Uh, January 3rd is the first episode. So we will record until then. Um, have a great relaxing break. Hopefully you get to spend time with your family and the person who won the uh, t-shirt, you need to email us or we're going to give it to somebody else. (gasps) Right. God, that was perfectly timed, Danielle. All right. (laughs) Bye everybody. Have a good uh, break. You've been listening to Batchadamia with your hosts, doctors, Daniel Dick McGue and Bill Henniger. All opinions expressed on this show are solely the opinion of the person who spoke them. If you like our podcast, please consider following us, leaving us a five-star rating, and a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, please share with your friends, family, and other ardent Bachelor content lovers. If you have comments or questions you would like us to address on the show, you can email us at batchadamia at gmail.com or on the Twitter with the handle at batchadamia. Thanks for listening.